The Other Side podcast mission is to discuss important cultural and social issues relating to race, culture, gender, and equality. So today we're going to be speaking with Nana Watson, president of the Columbus chapter of the NAACP. And we're going to be talking about the rise in gun violence and and shootings and murders here in the city. I guess just to get started, there's been a conversation going on in terms of the responsibility of the police department versus the responsibility of the community. And so I'm just wondering, where do you see the police department's responsibilities ending and the community, um, including organizations such as yours, starting. First of all, let me thank you so much for the opportunity to share my thoughts on crime, violence in the Columbus Police Department in our city. Where Where do we begin? I believe that we have to begin with the family. We have to begin to hold the family accountable. You can't come, uh, you should not be able to be in your mother or father's house and have a gun and no one asking you, where did you get that gun? We have to be really real about this. You can't be in my house and have some Air Jordans and you don't have a job and I didn't give you any money. The community and the families have to take responsibility. It has to begin at home. Do you think that those conversations aren't happening? Do you think that parents are scared of their own kids? Obviously, given the, we had 143 homicides in the city last year, a record, and they took a record number of guns and guns connected to crime off the street. So the guns are out there. Do you think that you're trying to sound the alarm on you need to, whether you're scared or not, you need to start having these conversations. You need to start having them. I can't imagine, I have children, I cannot imagine being afraid of my children. But I think times have changed now. We have younger parents uh, raising babies. They may not have a frame of reference. There's not a grandma. There's not an auntie in the home. And when you don't have that and you don't have a nucleus family, Sometimes things go astray, but parents really need to take responsibility uh, for what's going on in their house. If they don't, we will continue to see a rise in homicides in our city. Can we have a conversation about it? Certainly we can have a conversation, but are the parents going to listen? Are parents going to say, now you're trying to tell us how to raise our children? Mm. Daddies have to take responsibilities. Air Jordans are fine, but what about an education? What about going to the library? We have lost our way, if you will, in rearing our children in this day. So if there's a parent out there listening to this and they suspect that, you know, they don't have their hands around what's going on, where do they start? Where would you start? You're a mother, grandmother? I would start the conversation with my child. Where, why do you have this gun? Where did this gun come from? Why do you need this gun? Are you being bullied? If so, there has to be another way. You have got to get that gun out of my house. It cannot be here. And if you've got shoes, I didn't give you the money for them. Where are you getting this money? We need to have an honest, open, forthright conversation with our children. And it's uh, hopefully that children will be honest with their parents. I don't know what type of relationships parents have with their children nowadays. Uh, mine are adults now. We had an open dialogue on when I was rearing my, my children. So I don't know what kind of conversations parents have with their children nowadays. The expectation was that you go to school, you will study, you will go to the library, you will work, 
You may get an allowance. You may not. Your responsibility is to go to school, and my responsibility is to take care of you. One of the things that that I think I see very often is that there seems to be a lack of value for human life. Often it seems that petty disagreements or, you know, the first instinct is to kill someone versus the old school fist fight or whatever you want to call it. My question is, how do we as a community, how do you change this lack of respect for human life and encourage uh, young people to solve their their disputes and their differences without resorting to violence, especially circumstances and fatal acts of violence? You know, I don't know how we do that because our young people today do not value life. They just think... Um, I've got the gun, I'm going to shoot you, oh well. They don't value life, and I don't know why they don't. Do you think it's because of a lack of economic opportunity? Is it because of the educational system? I'm just curious. I think it's a lack of economic opportunity. Young men and women, and I've spoken to some young uh, brothers and sisters, they don't have a job. They feel, what's the use? The only way that I can live is to do illegal things, and then when I do illegal things, then if I'm a a drug dealer, if you will, if I don't have the money for the person that I'm selling the drugs for, there's going to be some interaction there, and it's not going to be good. We have got to begin to engage our school system more. We must begin to develop jobs for young people, training jobs. Everybody's not college material. Everybody doesn't want to go to college. We've got to find out what our young people are interested in doing. Because if you're a drug dealer, that tells me that you know how to count. You can start a business. You know, we need to begin to engage them. What is it that you want to do? How can we help you get to that? As far as the beefing, if you will, if you step on my shoes back in the day, and that's so long for me, there were fist fights. No one pulled a gun. These young people need to have someone that can mediate those beefs that they're having, whether that be the recreation department of City of Columbus, but we've got to engage our children in meaningful conversation and just cut through the conversation that they always say we're having. We don't ask them what they want. We tell them what Mm. they need. That's not fair because they're young. One of the things I heard is that people uh, in the black community who want to help the schools and want to fix the schools, they're frustrated by the fact that as soon as families, uh, middle-income black families, as soon as they're able, they move out. Mm -hmm. They go somewhere else and just leave the problem behind. And so it's like, how do you fix the problem? You complain about it. You say you want to do something. But then as soon as as soon as the opportunity arises, I mean, you can't fault for trying to make give your kids a better life. But at some point, is it fair to ask people who want to leave to maybe plant a flag in the ground and say, let's start here? Or do you just say, okay, if that's what you want to do, then go do that? No, I think, Lucas, that once you leave the black community, that's where you start it. You always need to come back and give. Mm. You need to give back because it was a problem when you were there, so why would you run from it? You need to come back. You need to begin to mentor children in the school system. You need to find out what you can do to make our community better, and specifically the black community, because I believe there were 143 homicides Mm -hmm. Out of the 143, I haven't done the calculations, but I think I can say the majority of those were were black. Oh, and overwhelming. They were. Yes. 
Yeah, so we've got to stop that. And I was thinking, I had a con- 111 of 143. Yeah, that that's astounding. I had a, a conversation with a dear friend of ours, and she mentioned a gun court. And um, she's a colleague of yours. But we had a conversation about that, and I think that's one of the things that the NAACP may want to have a conversation about with one of the judges. What's a gun court? A gun court would be if you're caught with a gun why do you have that gun? And let's talk about, Oh, we can talk about that. I haven't done a lot of research so on it. So not just a punishment, but a no, conversation. A conversation, punishment too. But where did you get this gun from? Why do you feel that you need to have this gun? You know, are you being threatened? And if you're being threatened, where are you being threatened? Is it in the schools? I'm glad you mentioned that because that was one of my other questions. So there is a pervasive problem of no snitching, right? Which plays into what you just said, because even if you do find an individual who has this gun and goes to gun court, as soon as you say, where did you get that gun from? They're not they're not going to talk. Right. Because it's it's not cool. It's uh, you're considered. uh, They might talk, though, if you have someone in a room that they respect. I mean, I've seen it from time to time and maybe it doesn't have to be recorded. Maybe it doesn't have to be under the bright lights of a courtroom. But at some point, they'll have a conversation. But, you know, you got to get the right person in the room. And oftentimes on the policy side of this, that's where it falls down a little bit. You don't get someone that, that can connect to kids. I see it. The program sounds great on paper. You've heard this. I mean, these programs sound great in theory, but you have to have the people in place who can give just the right amount of push and pull, I think. I mean, I don't know. Do you yeah, guys I, agree? I disagree. I think that especially young kids today, it's in music. You see it in movies. It is pervasive. It is not. You're a pariah. And if you live in a hood and you I mean, this happens all the time. There's shootings. And then the police always say, you know, they're they haven't had any leads, no tips. Nobody says anything. Now, some of that is out of fear because some people just fear retaliation. But a lot of that is just the stigma that comes with cooperating with the police. Mm-hmm. And a lot of these. So even if you get someone who's in a room who says, I, I got this gun from Mike. Well, you know, if that's one person, but the next week someone shoots and kills them, all that does is sort of reinforce this theory that you're not supposed to cooperate with the police, even though. And the sad part about it is you have a lot of people in the community that are victims themselves. But instead of cooperating with police, which might help bring down some of the numbers and get some of these guns off the street, they're either scared or they just from an ideological perspective, just don't believe in it. I have to agree with both of you. I think snitching is a key word because they're not going to tell. Then I have to go to you, Lucas. I believe if there is someone there that they can trust, they know that it's not going to to say where they got that information from, maybe a minister, someone that they feel comfortable with, and they can trust and say, yeah, this is where I got it from, and it's confidential. And that person has to say, I will never, ever reveal I'm your friend. I want to help you. We have to begin to build trust. So we're going to get into the police side of it, and we have a couple clips from the police chief. For her, which was kind of a very emotional, or at least, you know, she was speaking more frankly near the end of the year on the the rise in homicides. And at the time she was speaking, we hadn't broken the record, but we ended up breaking the record with 143 homicides. So I'm not sure if you heard them, but we're going to play them and then and then talk about them. So like I said, this is a call to action, call for peace. Let's let's find out what our community can help us do to, to keep these uh, numbers of, of homicide victims, opioid deaths, traffic fatalities, suicides, mental health crisis, all of that down. But please call us if you have any information about a crime going on. Thank you very much. 
we need to say during this discussion involving police and the homicide rate and the relationship with the black community that we did reach out to Columbus police and let them know that we were having this discussion and invited them to be on. Okay, so it's her call to action. She mentions the community and kind of throws some other thing, you know, suicides, opioids. You know, I think that's a way of for her to say, hey, look at all the stuff we're dealing with. We need help. So wanted to get your reaction to kind of uh, talking outward to the community by the chief. The chief has a hard job. She has to appease the FOP and she has to appease the community. Flyers, call to action, call to peace, those are just words. We need some action, and I don't know if what she's saying is really going to work in our community. We need to see police officers on foot in the community, developing a relationship with the community, knowing where Lucas goes to school, knowing where you go to school. Are you misbehaving? Is someone bullying you? They need to know your name. They need to know your parents. They need to know who you are. That does two things. That engages a police officer in the community. It also gives young people an opportunity to know a police officer. It's not a bad job. We're just making it bad because we haven't reached out and hugged our community, and that's what we need. I think you're being polite. Do you? I think that what I hear you saying is that you think her language is cloaked, and that it's cloaked, and I hear this from cops, and I know you hear it too, and it's about, you know, a lot of these victims are black victims. Where's the black community? You know, we get accused of being racist and that we target black people and all this stuff, but yet we arrest black people and and black people this and black people that. And so I want to know if you think that, that that it's cloak language, that she's trying to let a little bit of that out, that like black people are creating all the problems. Black people need to get involved in solving the problems. Like, do you, do you think that that's what she's trying to say? I think an underlining message from the chief is that. So I'll let you have that. Is there any validity to that? Uh, Is there validity to that? Yes, because blacks are being killed. We're killing each other or uh, we're being wounded or killed by the police. And those that are being abused, we don't condone police brutality. But at what point does this community say, We cannot continue to defend a thug, if you will. And I hate to put that out there. You know, that pains me to say that. But at some point, we've got to say, you know, when the police tell you, put your hands up, you need to put your hands up or you're going to be dead. So does it bother you? There's a lot of media coverage when there's a cop shooting of a black person. Yes. And there's a lot of questions asked. And, you know, we get criticized for for asking the questions and You know, we get the pushback and we get labeled anti-police and things like that for asking the questions. And then when there's black on black homicides, I hear the cops say, where's the outrage? And the NAACP takes a lot of flack as well. While the paper takes the flack, the NAACP takes the flack. We're not doing enough. We're not calling uh, for the resignation of, of the chief of police because it's her It's her fault. No one, in my opinion, appears to want to gather the facts. What happened? I don't know the answers to any of this, really, other than this community is in disarray. And Mm. it's very sad for me personally and as a representative of the NAACP. The more we try, the worse it gets. I just don't know what the answer is. Having community conversations, we've done that with the police. I've asked that. 
Chief Jacobs not come in uniform to community meetings. Mm. She's done that. Because sometimes when you see an officer in uniform to black people, that's an authoritative. So we're not going to be able to engage. It automatically puts up a block. But I can say that she did come out of uniform, and that went well. I just think we've got to develop a better relationship, this community, with the Columbus Police Department. And the Columbus Police Department has got to understand our culture, who we are as black people. They just need to to be more sensitive to black people when you talk to us, how you arrest us, you know. Because when you go off script with us, that's a problem. You need to be concerned about the language you use when you arrest us. I don't think a police officer can say, hey, Nana, how are you doing today? I'm getting ready to arrest you. Is that okay? I'm not saying that. I'm just saying maybe more diversity, training, language, all of that. Because if you come to me and say, you know, put your hands up, I'm going to do that. But I'm also going to ask you, why am I doing that? You need to tell me that. So we've got to have a more open, honest dialogue. And I know there are rules that police officers have to follow, but I'm thinking sometimes they can bend that. They don't have to be so strict mm. in their method or their process, their procedure. If I could, I just want to go back to something you just mentioned, <clears throat> just to clarify. Mm-hmm. You basically stated that black folks, when they are under arrest or being questioned by police should learn to just put their hands up, not resist or risk getting shot. Are you saying that resisting arrest is a prerequisite or gives permission to officers to use lethal force? Basically, that's what I'm saying. You resist arrest and you start fighting. Resist is a is a subjective word though. yes okay we'll say um if uh, i'm going to get arrested they're going to say you know put your hands up whatever they say i've not been arrested so i don't know they're going to cuff me i'm going to ask questions because i'm real nosy i need to know what did i do you want to see my license i think when you are when you resist the adrenaline in the officer is going very quickly very fast he or she doesn't know okay what's the next step they're resisting I'm here to go home. I want them to go home, but something is going amiss here. Something's going to happen. I can just feel it. And that's what has happened, I believe, in the shootings of individuals by the police department, by the police officer. Am I making sense with that? Yes. Okay. So when we've had controversial cases of officer-involved shootings, there are no cases that you can think of in which you disagree with the officer's judgment. And in most of these cases, there's there's been a, a, a review by the police department themselves. You know, in some cases, we've had public protests. I don't recall, and I've been here all my life, I don't recall any officer, and you'll have to research this, found guilty of shooting an individual, unless you can verify that. I don't think any officer has been indicted for killing an individual, black or white. But right now we're talking about black. I don't recall that. I don't either. Yeah, I don't either. And you're okay with that? No, I'm not okay. The NAACP is not okay with that. I know that the NAACP requested the Justice Department come in uh, on the Henry Green case. Nothing happened to that. It went into a dark hole and nothing else was said about that. The grand jury is. But you just said, let's say for argument's sake that in some form he resisted. You just said that if you resist. You're going to get shot. Right. And that's what happened. I don't think he he did. As far as I know, based on what I've read, it was the jump out boys and. 
they didn't have, according to the information that I have. They did not show um, their their tag or whatever they wear. The badge? Yeah, they didn't show the badge. Something transpired. We don't know. I wasn't there. We can only hear what the officer has and what the information that was received when we did a public records request. It appeared there were a lot of... Uh, conversations with witnesses no one had the same story everybody said they saw different clothes people weren't able to identify who was wearing what and what color that item was did that help you a little yes bit? okay thank you all right that was as about as intense as i thought it was going to be <laughs> you know we could spend a lot i mean there's a yes. lot of factors here but i mean the grassroots level and this call to action i think talking about just having a conversation is a good place to start, but it's a tough spot it is for, tough. you know, my only thought going away from it is, you know, I don't fully understand it, but I can sense that there's this lack of hope in some parts of this city and there's a, a no way out type of mentality. And when you get to that point mentally, you get things like not valuing human life. Mm-hmm. You get, you know, well, what's 10 years in prison? You know, what's that's nothing to me. If you've never been down in that hole, it's hard to comprehend or it's hard to understand. I at least grasp that that i try to understand it but i don't think i can because there's a sense of hopelessness there is there is lucas and then you know i'm saying parents need to ask their child where they got the gun where you got the money so they might be saying well who are you to be telling me what i need to be asking my child because i'm on public assistance the dad is in here how else am i going to make it A young boy told me in a conversation a couple of weeks ago, and it broke my heart, and he said, my dad wasn't in the home. My mom was crying. We didn't have money for rent. What was I to do? What was I? And that just, it just brings tears, Mm -hmm. and it just breaks my heart. That was the only way out for him was for him to take care of his mom and his other siblings. Not a job. He had a record. He had a felon. Some companies don't ban the box. They got to know where you've been, why you haven't worked. And if we continue in that mindset, we're going to lose a whole generation if we have not already lost a generation of children. We just need to wrap our arms around this community. I don't know the answer to it. It's troubling and it's very painful for the whole situation. One thing that's been on my mind is, so yesterday the list of the Oscar nominations came out. Yeah. It's gotten more diverse. They expanded the uh, pool of people who get the vote. And so you got some movies like, um, you know, Get Out, which was, um, you know. I just saw Get Out. What did you think of it? I was floored when I was done with it. Floored. Like, it was great. Bad, I thought it was great. But there were some parts where I laughed out loud. Yeah, it's it's kind of, there's some scenes where, yeah, like the guy running. Like I, My I wife kind of rooted for me because I don't, like, I, did you guys see, like, I, my wife caught it right away. She's like, the dude in the beginning, uh, and by the way, I'm, this is a total spoiler. I'm going to, if you haven't seen it, I'm going to spoil it. But she was like, that's the dude in the beginning of the movie. When uh, the guy who was in the hat, right, and she, yes. you know was with the old white woman, yes, like my wife was like, "That's him." I'm like, "What?" And because in the beginning, like they kind of made him, they had a beard, and right, he was kind of his normal self. And but th- that movie was a trip. It was. I thought it was excellent. A lot of social, yes, yeah. social things going on there. Racism, a whole bunch of stuff. Yeah. Now, I see, I it. didn't pick up on all that. What did you? What What did you guys pick up? Like, I, I'm sure I got the obvious the racial whole thing, stuff. Yeah, but I think some of it was a little lost on white people oh what um, yeah. oh 
Yeah, well, maybe I mean, so. I'm sure it probably was. I, I think uh, the things that stuck out for me is, you know, sometimes when you're the only black person and you're in a, a space where it's mostly white people and white people try to relate to you, but it comes off in a way that's awkward or it's too much. It's not natural or they sort of it's like if a white person comes up to you and you, you don't know them from Adam and they come up to you and they say, you know, I used to listen to Tupac and you're like, <laughs> Okay. What like, does that mean to us? Yeah, what does that mean to me? Like, Why can't you just cut us a break, man? I mean, come on. Like, you know, so, so if you listen to Tupac, like, you know. Well, then just say I listen to Tupac. But first of all, that doesn't make, like, in my black rating, I don't think, oh, well, you know what? Until he said that, I had no interest now, in talking now, to now him. Now, I want to talk about is like, when you. Because go, if a black person walked up to me and said that, I would say the same thing. Nah, like, nah. and. See, when you walk in to sign up for the Air Force or the Army, like, you walk through there and like, oh, Welcome. We love to have you. Come on. You're part of the family now. If someone comes to you and like, hey, man, listen to Tupac. Just like, why can't it be like, oh, come on. Look, I'm all right. Let's go. Because I, you're I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to try to, you know, OK, you like Tupac. That's a little corny. But well, first I can of all, tell you how do you know I even like rap because I'm black. I have to like that's rap. True. That's true. But if you see someone who's trying and trying to that's relate, the thing, you shouldn't you have should, to try. Why? Just be a normal human being. Be a normal person. And you don't have to. People are awkward. No, you make it awkward like when you do that. It's like talking to a girl or a boy or when you're finding a partner, whatever. It's awkward at first. Like, 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 like if you if, you, like if you're a white guy from Lima, don't come up and try to dap me up. Like, no, no. Or do like just Nana, don't, don't point at me like because when our relationship turn was when i was on the radio and some of your friends heard me say i was on the radio and we were talking about voter turnout and some somebody heard me say those people didn't show up. and you called me you go what do you mean by those people i, I did and i I, did. I was completely like i had no idea that that was like a loaded phrase mm-hmm. because i was literally just talking about voters and why voters didn't show up to vote in this and it was like, I was completely floored by that. So, but Nana put her arm around me and she's like, okay, I can see you're trying here. Like, oh, I can, God like, bless but you. see, that's what, <laughs> but see, but see, that's what I'm talking about. Like, you could, you could say, you know, okay, I can see this person's trying. Now, he's an idiot because he thinks just because I'm black, I listen to rap, but I'm going to tell him, you could tell me, I don't listen to rap and you think that just because I'm black and kind of laugh. And like, you can still get your point across, but deliver the message that, hey, listen, if this is something you're interested in, you need to realize that black people aren't in a box. It's not a stereotype. You know, it runs a gamut. Some people don't like black lightning, you know. But anyway, I'm saying like you could welcome them in a little bit. I think as black people, we know when you're real and when yes. you're not. Like, Lucas, you're real. You know, I told you I didn't like that. And I said, I need to tell you that's how you came off. Mm-hmm. And you, you said, yeah, I didn't mean to, so I need to watch how I sure. deliver. So you were accepting of my small criticism, and you're willing to understand and embrace differences. And sure. they're genuine. Some people can't embrace. It comes off real, real phony. Yes. Like, I get that. Phony. Like, you and I, we've never had that conversation, ever. About we what? just talk about stuff, life, you right. and I. Well, that's because you and I have a rapport. But how did we get to that point? Well, sure. I mean, I get it. You well, have, how did you, you have, get to that point? We just had some we, real frank we were conversations. Talk, talking to each other like just people. Normal. Yeah, it wasn't true. like, well, hey, I'm Black Scott and you're White Lucas. That's and, true. You know. I get that. But I, it's like if you're just starting out in a relationship, whether it's a friend or someone you know, you may want to have a, a deeper relationship with, it's a little awkward at first. And you can make those missteps 
are magnified in the beginning a little bit more. Like I could say something to you now that's that's completely idiotic, and you'd be like, okay, you know, I know him. He's a little bit of an, you know, that was a dumb comment, but I know him. If I do that in the beginning, you'd be like, this dude, this dude might be racist, and he just thinks that he's trying to have that one black friend so he can tell his other white friends, oh hey, I got I got two black friends. Just like if you come up to me and tell me you like that one black rapper because sure. you think I do too, and with me personally, you'd be better off coming up to me and saying, hey, I'm in the Game of Thrones. Just so happens I am too. Let's talk about that. Or hey, like I'm in the cars. Are you in the cars too? The worst thing is when someone comes up. Number one that I don't think really is appropriates the culture. Like don't come up and quote some black lyric to me or some black movie that you really don't care about. You never really. You're not a. You're not an actual fan of. It's you're not passionate about it. You're just sort of saying it to me because you want. You want to. You think you want, that's what I want to hear. You want a cool factor. You want to you want to be in the end club. I, like that so, is a that's so wait, inauthentic. The whole, the whole movie off. about Get Out, one of the big takeaways for you was white people don't know how to do this the right way. No, my takeaway from it was is that it was an okay movie. I thought it was a really good movie. Oh, I did too. I thought what uh, the father when the father met the couple and he was saying, "Oh, how did you get to this or something like that?" I'm yeah. like, "Oh, come on. Come on. You are so phony." You know, all of a sudden, racism right here, yes. loud and clear. Sure. Yeah, that, that part. I guess I'm really opinionated on Get Out, even though I didn't realize I was. I guess so. I mean, that's good, though. It, it means that... It bothers um, me that I don't pick up on this stuff, though. No, Lucas, it shouldn't bother you because we're seeing it through different lenses. Yes. Yeah, that's we, true. He and I... You're are, seeing it from the other side. Yeah, and we're seeing it from our lenses. Did you get that? Yeah, the you're other see, side. You're seeing it from the other side. You're, you, I like the way you bring it back. You see? Well, anyway, I just want to uh, thank Nana Watson again for coming and talking to us yeah, today. Yeah, it was great to have you. We had I had fun. Great Good. conversation. We hope that you come back. I will. And for all of you at home that might be listening to us, please tune in again. As usual, you can find Lucas Sullivan's work on the ColumbusDispatch.com. So uh, please go there. At Dispatch Sully if you want to yell at me. About something I said about Get Out. Yeah. We're going to have some social media accounts, an email address, and, and some uh, Twitter accounts. Next time we'll talk more about the Oscars. Yes. All right. Thanks. Thanks.